Michael Vannin, and welcome to Second Breakfast, discussing Middle-earth. Last week, we discussed the elven strongholds of Arda, both in Valinor and Middle-earth, and learned that it's not just forests that the elves lived in, but caves and in harbor cities as well. The poll in our Facebook group, discussing Middle-earth, this past week was on which of the strongholds was our favorites, or which ones surprised us the most. Uh, we do a poll every week to keep the discussion going throughout the week, so if you haven't yet, listen to the episode and go cast a vote. This week, we are going to delve into The Rings of Power. The movies tell of them briefly, but really only enough to leave them shrouded in mystery. They don't really answer what they do, nor do they answer really who made all of them and what became of them. So let's discuss it starting with their creation. The Rings of Power came about by Sauron's cunning. They were to be tools, first to ensnare and dominate the elves of Middle-earth, using their power. His plan started in the Second Age, when he still looked fair and could deceive others. He came calling himself Anatar, which means Lord of Gifts. Some of the elves did not trust him though, namely Gilgalad, Elrond, and Galadriel. But one elf, Celebrimbor, listened to Sauron and led him close. Celebrimbor lived in the region of Eregion, which is near the southern portion of the Misty Mountains, where many of the Noldorian elves lived. Celebrimbor was the grandson of Fëanor, and the elf responsible for the crafting of the Silmarils. The Noldor elves were great crafters, and of the elven smiths in Eregion, Celebrimbor was their leader and the greatest of their craftsmen. He was the perfect target for Sauron. Sauron as Anatar befriended Celebrimbor and began to teach him and the other smiths in magic and smithing, leading them to create rings of power. Now Gandalf says that there are many rings of power, but there are 20 that are the most powerful, 19 of which the elves of Eregion made. Sauron had a hand in creating each of them, except for three. Those three were made by Celebrimbor alone, and were stronger than any of the other 16. However, the 20th ring. In Mordor, Sauron went to Orodruin, also called Amonomarth, or Mount Doom, and there Sauron secretly forged his own ring, the One Ring. This ring was to enhance his own power, but he also tied the power of all the other rings to this one, so that he could control the other rings and those who wore them. And that the power of the lesser rings would be tied to this Master Ring, or the Ruling Ring. This is where we get the inscription on the ring, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. When Sauron first put on the one ring, the other ring bearers immediately perceived what had happened and took off their rings. Seeing that his plan for ensnaring the elves had failed, he brought war upon them in order to obtain the rings for his own. During the war, he captured Celebrimbor and forced him to tell the locations of the Rings of Power. Sauron recovered the Sixteen, but could not get Celebrimbor to tell him the locations of the three greatest rings that Celebrimbor crafted on his own. He was soon killed, and that was the last of the line of Feanor. Sauron used the Sixteen Rings to continue his plan and ensnare the kings and lords of men and dwarves. To the dwarves he gave seven rings, one to each of the dwarf clans, the Longbeards, or Durin's folk, the Firebeards, Broadbeams, Ironfists, Stiffbeards, Blacklocks, and Stonefoots. 
However, the dwarves were resilient to the controlling power of the One Ring through these lesser rings, and did not fall subject to Sauron. However, the rings did greatly elevate their greed for gold and treasure, and it was through this greed that they led their peoples to ruin. It is not stated for fact, but I believe the reason the dwarves are so resilient to the rings of power and Sauron's influence is because the dwarves were created by the Vala Aule, who actually mentored Sauron before he turned to Melkor's evil. In any regard, four of the dwarf rings were lost to Dragonfire, and the other three were reclaimed by Sauron, taking the mightiest from Thrain II, Thorin's father, when he was captured in Dol Guldur. When Sauron was searching for the One Ring after it was lost, an emissary of Sauron's went to Dan II Ironfoot in Erebor, and offered the three remaining dwarvish rings to him if he would help find the One Ring, but Dan refused after all the dwarves had went through at the hands of Sauron and his rings. But to men Sauron gave nine rings, knowing that men were the easiest to corrupt and bend to his will. And the men who bore the rings fell under his influence, becoming slaves to his will. They gained long life until life became unbearable. And when they put the rings on, they could begin to see phantoms. Eventually, one by one, they became invisible to mortal eyes and could see into the wraith world, now becoming wraiths themselves, the Nazgul. Not much is said about who these men were before Sauron gifted the rings. But three were said to be Numenorians, and one of the Easterlings. And of them all, only two are given names, the Witch King of Angmar and Kamul the Easterling. Kamul was second of the Nazgul behind the Witch King, and was Sauron's lieutenant at Dol Guldur after he took up residence in Mordor. You can see him in the movies, actually. He's the one who says Shire Baggins to Farmer Maggot, and who chases the hobbits to Buckleberry Ferry. And when the Witch King was slain, he became the Lord of the Nazgul. However, I still haven't said much on the three lesser rings of power that remained hidden from Sauron. Before he died, Celebrimbor sent the three rings away for safekeeping. They were named after the elements, Vilya, the Ring of Air, Narya, the Ring of Fire, and Nenya, the Ring of Water. He sent Vilya and Narya to Gilgalad, who was the High King of Noldor during the Second Age, and who resided in Linden in the northwest. And Nenya he sent to Galadriel in Lorien. Celebrimbor did not make these rings to be tools of war, much like Sauron had intended for all the other rings. These rings were to preserve the Elven Kingdoms, and resist and heal the marring of evil. Nenya, the Ring of Water, and also called the Ring of Adamant and the White Ring, was sent to Galadriel. It was made of mithril and bore a white stone, presumably a diamond. Its power was preservation and protection. It was said that Lorien would not fall to any save Sauron himself so long as Nenya protected it. At some point before his death, Gilgalad gave Narya the Ring of Fire to Círdan the shipwright. Círdan kept it secret in the Grey Havens until the Istari came to Middle-earth the five wizards. He saw the first four come, including the head of the order, Saruman, but when at last Gandalf came, Círdan perceived him to be the greatest of the five, and thus he entrusted Narya to Gandalf, who became its bearer, 
never revealing it until after the War of the Ring was won. Narya is described as a gold ring with a red ruby. Círdan says its power would support and defend Gandalf from weariness and hopefully rekindle hearts to courage. Lastly is Vilya, the greatest of the three, which Gilgalad kept for a time since he was the High King of the Noldor. It was later given to Elrond. Vilya, the Ring of Air, also called the Ring of Sapphire, was gold with a blue stone. Its power is not specifically stated other than the overarching preservation and resistance of evil that all three of them possess, but it can be guessed that Vilya had some control over the elements, as shown when the Nazgul were stopped at the ford by the Cavalry of Waves, as it's described. When the One Ring was destroyed, so were the powers of the Lesser Rings. The Three waned, and with the destruction of the One Ring, the Bearers wore them openly. I've mentioned quite a bit about the One Ring already, and the movies do a good job at the rest. Sauron forged it in secret, pouring more than half of his own power into it. He bound the powers of the Lesser Rings to this ruling ring so that he could control those who wore them. It was a simple gold band with an inscription that only revealed itself when exposed to fire, or when Sauron wore it. It also had the power to make anyone who wears it invisible, except for Tom Bombadil for some reason, which we discussed in his episode on this podcast. It appeared to have a will of its own, but that could have been an extension of Sauron's will, since most of his power was placed in the ring. And because of this, no matter how many times Sauron was defeated, he could not be utterly destroyed so long as the One Ring survived. Nothing in Middle-earth, even Dragonfire, could destroy it. It could only be destroyed where it was made, in Mount Doom. In the War of the Last Alliance, Isildur cut the ring from Sauron's hand, temporarily defeating Sauron and ending the war. He had the chance to destroy it in Mount Doom, by the advice of Elrond, but his greed overcame him and he took it for himself. Then, during the Battle of the Gladden Fields, he was killed and the ring was lost in the River Anduin. Until, 2500 years later, when a stewerish hobbit named Deagle found it and was killed by Smeagol. Smeagol bore the ring for 500 years as it poisoned him and turned him into the creature Gollum. Then, Bilbo Baggins found it uh, in Gollum's cave and escapes with it, keeping it until the end of his adventure, and then he eventually passed it on to Frodo. And Frodo, as we know, uh, became its ring-bearer to Rivendell, and then the ring-bearer in charge of destroying it in Mount Doom. When Sam thought Frodo was dead, he took the ring to continue the quest, becoming a ring-bearer himself, even for a short time, until he found Frodo alive again. Then, in Mount Doom, Frodo fell to the ring's corruption and chose to keep it for himself. Then after a fight with Gollum, the ring falls into the lava, is destroyed, and thus Sauron was ultimately defeated. And there we have it, the tale and the fates of the Rings of Power. They were pivotal in the Second Age, both with the wars between Sauron and the Elves, and Sauron's rise and return to power. I wanted to tell this tale of the Rings of Power because the Amazon TV series have been dropping their first teasers, uh, the map of Middle-earth that, they that they're going to be using. And with each new teaser, they've added more details to the map. However, each of the three teaser captions includes a line from the Ring of Power poem. Three rings for the elven kings under the sky, 
Seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Nine for mortal men doomed to die. We only have those three so far at the recording of this episode, obviously waiting on that fourth. But given the captions, perhaps the plot line of this TV series, or at least a season, could refer to the Rings of Power and their crafting. Because as we just learned, there was a whole war around them fought between Sauron and the elves. It would make a good plot line since we already know the villain, and at this point in history, he had physical form and looked fair. We know a bit of the Rings of Power, and some of the key characters, of course, Elrond and Galadriel. And it could then include the Numenorians, perhaps even Elendil and Isildur. And all of this even could climax to the War of the Last Alliance. But, of course, this is all just my speculation from a few social media captions. Since there isn't a whole lot of mystery or controversy this episode, I think we should just discuss um, the new TV series in the Facebook group. What do you think the show will revolve around? I know a young Aragorn plotline has been circulating for a while now, but what do you think? Join the Discussing Middle-Earth Facebook group if you haven't already, and let's share some ideas. Next week, we will be discussing the dwarves, specifically their origins and the different clans. Farewell. <laughs>